So, fellow citizens of King Charles, Charles III, how does that feel? Subjects to um, a new king who declared himself to be our servant. I think it was quite impressive, um, those of us who were able to watch either live or afterwards, the vows that he took. And um, it was a statement about serving his people. But I reflect on the pomp, which is amazing. Uh, and whatever we might think about the royals and the expense of it all, it didn't seem to feel much like servitude to me. And that's not a criticism. That's just the nature of an earthly monarch. Um, today, we're going to be confronted with a servant king. And it's so, so different. So let's go to John 13. Remember, I think we're number five in the Just As series. So our um, kind of key verse comes from verse 15 of John chapter 13. But let's read from the beginning. Um, John 13 verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise what I am doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. <coughs> Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not every one of you was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put, up his, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and that is right, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example, and here's our title verse, that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So, do just as I have done is a, another, what another um, version says. You should do as I have done is the NIV. But just to catch the, the just I statement, another version says, do just as I have done. It's 
very, very familiar passage of scripture and it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's just a, a delight to read, it's fresh every time. And I just like to draw two object lessons and that's what the Lord Jesus was giving his disciples. It was an object lesson. So that means taking hold of an object and illustrating an important point with that. But I would like to just briefly remind us of the context of it. And my thoughts were obviously in verse one earlier. And um, we, we just have that um, sense of um, John reflecting back, remember his objective in writing his uh, gospel was that people might believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing they may have life in his name. So he's selecting, um, not necessarily chronologically, but s selecting key episodes in the life of the Lord Jesus that supported that contention. And the context is the death of Lazarus a few days earlier, um, the raising of Lazarus. I mention them separately because the Lord's attitude to the death of Lazarus was quite dramatic um, and unexpected. And then of course the spectacular raising from the dead of Lazarus. Then perhaps consequentially a meal in Jesus' honour um, and his anointing by Mary, Lazarus's sister. Then there was a triumphant entry um, and then there was an emphatic rejection by the Jews as to who he really was. So you've got this very public um, catalogue of uh, amazing things that John is recording and then he takes us into that intimate circle. It's the only one that does take us to the upper room of the, uh, the four gospel writers and he's switching from the very public to the very private. And I, I think there is something about that. Um, the Lord Jesus is... Um, sharing something that is especially for those disciples who were his closest followers, the ones um, who had been called to eternal life, as it says later in Acts. Before we go into the, um, the two object lessons, there's a couple of statements that stand out for me which provide a little bit of context and we, we can't overlook them. The first one is in verse 3. It says, um, and this is really before we address the washing of the feet business, um, what that might mean for us. But verse 3 says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And this is, remember it's John recording his observations and um, I, I don't want to suggest that there was ever a time where the Lord somehow um, relinquished power um, because he is deity always was always will be but the reality of confining himself to not just a human body, but a baby, a baby's body, to undergo um, normal, Ian's thought this, this morning, just normal human development. Um, for me, 
it would seem that he would get to a point in his human development, and I don't know when it would be, much earlier than this, I think, when actually there was a supreme confidence in his identity. And um, I think John was observing that. We've got to a point now where Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he was convicted by that. Um, and that he had come from God, that's a statement as to the Lord Jesus' confidence and appreciation of his own deity. John's just emphasising that point. And that he was returning to God. And that's a wonderful insight into pre-Golgotha, the Lord knew that he was going to be victorious and returning to God. So it doesn't in any way detract from the horror of what he faced. But it does uh, underpin the reality that Jesus had this conviction that um, he would be victorious and that he would return to the Father. That's one standout expression that Jesus knew those things, that he had power invested in him by the Father, that he was from the Father, deity, and that he was going back to the Father. And then at the beginning of verse 4 it says, so he got up from the meal, and it's, um, I think the, the so word there is, I think they call it a conjunction, might be wrong, but it's, it's what links a previous statement with a following statement. And verse 4 is um, the beginning of him uh, getting up from the meal, and it's just, John has just emphasised his deity, and he's saying, here's his deity, so Jesus left the table and went into that process of washing the disciples' feet. And it's as though John is emphasising that, you know, here is deity. Here is the eternal son, the king of kings. And actually, what does that look like? Well, here's what it really looks like. And he goes into that um, description of what happens next, which takes us to really our first object lesson. And it's um, feet washing. And I think we can be confident that the message we are to take from this uh, passage of scripture and the reason why John records it. So it is of course a demonstration to us of what God is like. We have a humble God. Um, but also the message is he is our example, and that's how it relates to our subject. Just as I have done this, so you do it. Um, verse 12, Jesus said, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. Um, you call me teacher and Lord, and that is right, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example and you should do just as I have done. So it's, it's explicit. I've washed your feet. Um, you who are my own, going back to verse 1. And just as I have done that for you, um, you now need to do that for each other. It makes us ask the question, why, why feet washing? <laughs> Seems like a... A strange thing that the Lord would choose to do, certainly strange to us. It would be far from any of our thoughts to um, stoop down now and just start washing feet. Obviously it had 
it was a more regular thing uh, in those days. I think the point is that um, the Lord Jesus had in his heart to select an object lesson that demonstrated that he had come to serve and he was aiming low. <laughs> I don't mean aiming low in commitment, but aiming low when it comes to servitude. Um, the depth to which he was prepared to go. And of course, this was the beginning of him demonstrating the full extent of his love. So he, um, the washing of his disciples' feet was actually quite high by comparison to where he would go. You know, washing feet in those days was perhaps um, the job of an apprentice servant. It's a pretty, pretty ugly job, I think. <laughs> um, and perhaps would be left to um, those who were new servants. And you kind of be thinking, I'm glad when this is over. You know, I, I, I may recruit another apprentice and I'll be promoted and I won't have to do this again. Um, it was low enough a job to be neglected if um, there were, wasn't anyone willing to do it. And we know that from Luke 7 when the Lord was at Simon the Pharisee's house and um, the sinful woman and came, came and washed his feet with perfume. And he said to Simon, you, you didn't give me any water for my feet. And I suggest that there was just nobody there who was humble enough to do it. <laughs> Perhaps not something that, that they'd forgotten. So here was a job that the Lord took on in, with his disciples. And it's the kind of job that you wouldn't do unless there was someone around prepared to do it. Um, I'm trying to relate these things to our own circumstances because we're not in the habit of washing people's feet. And if we tried to do it, we think that was somewhat odd. Um, but I think the Lord has chosen an example. It's a practical example of an everyday mundane thing that nobody really gets any breaks for and what he's saying to his disciples is you know you know that i'm god you know i have all the power that the father has invested in me you know i'm from him you'll learn that i'm going back to him and actually um i'm here to serve and this is what serv service looks like it's going for low, it's doing the mundane. I did wonder were there any other scripture references to washing feet that might shed some light on things that might be equivalent to it that would be more relevant to us. I found an interesting verse in 1 Timothy chapter 5, it's verse 9, and it's a, a statement where Paul is advising Timothy on the kind of people that need specially looking after in a church, and it's, it's widows. And he says in verse 9, No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, as her, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Isn't that interesting? It's a list of really down-to-earth, but essential, practical things. And uh, the Lord is, in his object lesson, and his instruction, do 
you do just as I have done. It's a call to action. It's, um, it's not about being passive or reactive. It's about being proactive and doing things. And I, I just can imagine the, the ladies in, um, it was probably Ephesus where Timothy was, and he was um, to look around for, for these uh, sisters in the church and they had a reputation for doing things. And um, that is Christ-like servitude. Makes me ask myself the question, when did I ever do a mundane thing for you, my brothers and sisters? Um, when did I even ever think about what I might be able to do? Um, the Lord had to think about it. And I was wondering, were their feet dirty? I don't know the answer to that, but maybe they weren't. And he was just looking for this illustration. And um, the challenge to my heart in being a, a doer and responding to the Lord Jesus' call to action for his disciples is um, to even start thinking about the kind of things that I can do that demonstrate that servant character of the Lord Jesus. Um, so it's a, it's a call to action on my part, on the Lord's part for me, and I just kind of share that with you. Uh, it's about doing the mundane, perhaps doing things that don't get done uh, if there's no one prepared to do it. Verse 4 is, uh, is interesting for another reason. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And he poured water into the basin. I had this image of what I might do if I was asked to wash someone's dirty feet. And I might adorn myself with rubber gloves to start with. Um, you know, the Lord didn't do that. He was a servant and he looked like a servant he um, did what servants do I was thinking of Prince Charles in that golden gown that he put on um, and in, in, in so doing he's declaring to serve he's going to be serving me um, the Lord took off whatever gown he had on and he um, tied himself with a towel and um, that's what serving serving him looks like it, it, it's um, not a, a, re, a thing we do with reluctance and at arm's length but it's something we immerse ourselves in I, I'm going to mention Ian's dad because I, I think he he sticks in my mind as, um, as an overseer in Liverpool Assembly when, when we were kids and he was a gardener by profession. And there was just a, a whole range of old people's gardens in the church that he looked after every week. And he, he had a full-time job, but he seemed to find time to do it. And of course, he wouldn't go in his suit. He'd go around in the van with, um, with the tools and um, he was brilliant at it. So. You know, I remember going with my mum and dad to visit some old ladies and you'd look in the garden, I'm thinking of Auntie Vi in particular, 
and immaculate. And that's George's work. And it was mundane stuff that if he didn't do, wouldn't have got done. Uh, just a, a, an illustration of what real Christ-like um, servitude, if I can call it that, what it really looks like. Paul picks up the theme in Ephesians 2, and I think we've got to go there. I'm just going to read it um, without much comment. I would say that sometimes we might go to Ephesians 2 if we want to think about the deity of the Lord, because it does refer to deity, but it gets complicated if you do that. It's, this is not a passage of scripture that teaches about the doctrine of his deity. It's there. It's a, it's a, a passage of scripture about his attitude. And when we're talking about servanthood, it's all about attitude. There are other scriptures that we would go to if we wanted to explore the deity of the Lord Jesus. John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1. Uh, go, go and explore those. But in verse 1 of Philippians 2, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him. At the end of the passage, um, we read that the Lord Jesus, uh, John, John records, verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And we can, of course, celebrate the wonderful exaltation of the one who um, is our servant king. But let's go to lesson two. I think lesson one is very much about the um, practicalities, doing stuff. But um, I think when we go to verse 6, there is another object lesson that the Lord wants us to pick up from his illustration. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. And then Peter goes on to say, well, wash me all over then. And the Lord says, well, you're already clean. Um, I think the second object lesson is to do with cleansing from sin. But it's not, uh, it's a cleansing from sin that makes us fit for service. That expression, you will have no part with me, um, or you will not share with me is another version it has the idea of companionship. Um, Peter was going to be a servant of the Lord in a way that he never realised. And in that sense, a companion in service. And the Lord was saying, unless 
you let me wash your feet, that's not going to happen. And it just speaks of the importance of, um, I'm going to say daily, washing of the feet would have been a daily experience, as it, I'm sure it is for all of us. Um, and this is, his message to Peter wasn't something anyone else could do. He wasn't saying, uh, Peter, Peter wasn't saying, well, um, you're not going to wash my feet. And the Lord says, well, okay, I understand that you don't want me to do that, but one of your other disciples can do it. They couldn't do it. This was a completely different lesson. And the Lord was saying to Peter that it needed to be him. Um, but he was also saying that um, he was clean and, and even references Judas to make the point that not everyone was clean in the sense that he was talking about. I think um, we can say that those 11 disciples who were there were those who, Acts 13 verse 48, had been called to eternal life and they were saved men and they didn't need to be cleansed um, because from God's perspective they were clean. Apart from the daily inevitable sin and the Lord was saying you need to let me wash your feet, you need to let me make you clean for service and um, of course it takes us uh, to First John, that very uh, familiar passage of scripture, let's go to First John um, verse 8, I'm going to read more than we would normally read, um, verse 9 is usually a, a standalone verse but the context here is um, John talking to those who um, are appointed to eternal life, the, the elect. And so these are people who, like Peter, had been cleansed. Um, but he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. We know that we, know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but not, does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him but if anyone obeys his word God's love is truly made complete in him this is how we know we are in him whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did I kind of read all of that because of that last expression um, the test of disciples serving underline the word serving in companionship with their saviour, with the Lord Jesus, is that they will walk as he walked. And although this second object lesson is about the importance of daily confession and the receipt of forgiveness and cleansing so that we can be eligible for service, it links us back to um, the first object lesson, which of course is the Lord Jesus saying you do just as I have done so feet cleansed by cleansed daily by the Lord Jesus belong to those whose goal it is today to do as he did 
you know, perhaps one of the things that um, is up there in daily cleansing is to get rid of pride because the whole point or the whole the taste that's left in your mouth when we've considered this is our servant king is a humble king he's a humble god that we've got and that that pride needs to go if we are to be serving in companionship with him so challenge for us to consider that the importance of that daily exercise and to consider how we might in a christ-like way um, serve each other and it's doing the mundane i really believe that's the thing we the challenge to take away with us shall we ask for god's help